0: Friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton, I'm the founder, and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm the host for today's podcast and I'm privileged to be joined by my co-host, Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, welcome. Good to be here. How you doing? Great. Well, I'm I'm really excited. You know, we've got a number of things going on within the the Small Business Matters world. But uh, today, for our podcast, I'm really excited about our guest, John Hightower. You know, one of the most difficult things, I think, for small business owners these days, Taylor, is is being able to balance the dynamic between trying to achieve results and also working the the variety of different relationships that are present within a small business. And so this is a huge challenge for small business owners. And our guest today, John Hightower, is going to help our listeners understand how to how to balance that equation. John has a track record of helping professional service organizations scale services and products, specifically in the digital space. Uh, Taylor, he has spoken to organizational leaders in eight countries on four different continents. He's worked with companies like Spanx and Kimberly-Clark Home Depot and Georgia, Pacific. In doing so, he shares lessons that from both his successes as well as his, his failures. John is the co-founder and CEO of Arch and Tower, which is an organizational strategy firm that focuses on enhancing customer traction, employee productivity, and operational systems. Uh, again, his firm has served firms across a variety of different industries, both big and small. Worked with Chick-fil-A. You know I love I love Chick-fil-A. Along with he's worked with the founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, Hort Schultz, who I think many of our listeners will recognize. Taylor, this past year, 2019, John's firm, Arch & Tower, was acquired by Fraser & Dieter, which is a nationally recognized, nationally ranked accounting firm with offices both here in the United States and also in the, in the UK. So with that said, hey John, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast.
1: Tim, it's such an honor, Taylor. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'm excited to speak with the audience and share just uh, some of the, the items that I've walked through and just incredibly grateful for the time. So thank you for having me.
0: Well, you're welcome. And, and we've been looking forward to this for quite a while. So John, we always start off with the same question with our guests, what is it that you do that matters to small business?
1: It's one of those things when you think about it, um, having sat in that chair and still sit in that chair of, of a small business owner and helping think through what are those challenges? Do you have the opportunity to increase productivity of your employees? Do you connect with your employees? Do they understand your vision? Uh, so many times, I believe business owners, especially small business owners, culture is so important. And how do how do you infuse that into your company, your teams? Um, because there's a bottom-line impact that when you do that, your, your employees will be more engaged, your customers will be more satisfied. And if leveraged properly, those same employees will help you find efficiencies in your, your systems or your products. And, to me, that, that's the uniqueness we have as entrepreneurs is to, to build businesses and build systems that, you know ideally, you, you have the opportunity to build generational wealth. So I'm incredibly excited and honored to be here today to maybe help think through some of those, maybe give some best practices or things that we're seeing in the
2: market right now um, that can help small businesses during this time. So John, before we get too deep into some of those details, I'm curious uh, Tim went through your, your bio, uh, which was quite impressive, by the way. I, I'm curious. Uh, how you've gotten to this stage in your career, and, and maybe some highlights you can share.
1: Well, thank you for the kind words. Uh, I'll share with you three things. One is the people that I've gotten to do life with. Um, it's been amazing to see different people come into my life at different times. I've had some incredible mentors that have helped guide me through the process of understanding what it means to serve people in the marketplace. So that would be bullet point one: is surround yourself with Strong people, uh, not only colleagues but mentors and people that can pour into you number two, when you're looking for those people to join your your cause or your vision with your company, really look for people that um, have that servant mindset and what I mean by that is I've got people around me they'll say, "Hey, what can I take off your plate? What are those things that I can do?" and they'll do the the tactical items they'll they'll roll up their sleeves and help me with strategy so you know that second point that that helped me get where we are today is having a solid team around me and then the third point i would say is have fun especially in today's world if you don't have fun at what you're doing it makes your day in day out really tough and at the end of the day your family usually takes the brunt of that unhappiness and i like to say let's make new mistakes we're gonna make mistakes but let's enjoy the fact that if we make a mistake we learn from it and let's just not repeat that one let's make new mistakes and if you're not making mistakes, you may not be pushing far enough. You may not be really pushing the paradigm of the industry you're in and the clients you're serving. So those are three things that when I look back over the career, the highlights are the people I've gotten to work with, the clients I've gotten to uh, engage with, and the grace of when I've made some mistakes, people have said, hey, that's okay. Let's learn from it and move forward. So those are the three moments I would say across the, uh, the career that I've been incredibly uh, thankful for.
0: John, when I introduced you, I, I overlooked maybe the most, two of the most important things in your bio. And I say this because I know we have a, a number of listeners who attended both Georgia Tech and Auburn. John is a, a graduate, bachelor's degree from Georgia Tech here in Atlanta, and also got his MBA from Auburn University. So, with that said, John, one of the things I wanted to get you to talk about because, you know, our listeners, Companies with everything from ten employees to a thousand employees, and certainly the, the, one of the biggest challenges they face is is you know working with those individuals. And as it relates to employees, you talk about paddlers, passengers, and pirates. And I'd love for you to share that concept with our listeners, if you may. So this goes
1: it's it's unique when you think about your employees in this manner. But there's studies that show two thirds of employees are disengaged at work, and you've got You've got the pirates that are either actively disengaged or you know that they should have been moved on. And I, I would qualify those as the pirates. And the paddlers are the ones that are in front of the ship. That Those are the people that you know are going above and beyond. They're putting that extra work in. They're they're creating the engine for growth. The ones that are interesting are the passengers. And they're the ones that are in the middle of the group. They're, it's about a third when you look at the number. And they can be passively um, deceptive and actually be more painful than the pirates because you know who the pirates are. Hmm. So how do you keep people moving into that paddler mentality? Uh, We focus on, you got to give people purpose. And then you have to really flame that with passion and passion propels people. And when you really think about your organization in that level, you can think of it almost as a boat. And how are you rowing together to make sure that you're getting where you need to be? Uh, You're going to weather storms. You're going to go through different ports of call and different challenges uh, but that's where the uh, the concept came from. We're just thinking of a different way to present the concept of how you engage employees. Let's really understand where they are and then move them into the spectrum you need them to be. If they're a pirate, you either need to have them move off the boat or move them into the, the passenger session. And then from there, how do you move them into paddlers? So it's a fun thing to work, work on. Uh, it's an incredibly serious matter when you think about it at the employee level. Uh, but it's just a different way to maybe think about your, your employees and how to, to coach them up as you go. And we can go into details and tactics, but uh, maybe that's something for another another podcast or if folks are interested, they can reach out. We can talk about it more.
0: Well, I, I love that metaphor of the, of the pirates, the passengers and the, and the paddlers. And, and I certainly have had more than my share of pirates and, and probably should have dealt with them much earlier than, than I did. But John, I'm curious. You know we' we're, we're in this uh, COVID pandemic uh, environment and and employees, so many employees now are working remotely. What impact do you think that has in thinking of the pirates, the passengers and the paddlers? Do we have more pirates now? Do we have fewer paddlers? What would you say given this new kind of work environment, this COVID work environment, what's, what, if anything, has changed relative to this metaphor?
1: That's a wonderful question. To me, the thing that it makes me think about Tim is empathy. And as leaders, we have the opportunity to engage our employees at a deeper level than we probably ever have. And what I mean by that is I have an amazing opportunity to see my coworkers on Zoom calls or a Microsoft Teams call, and I get to see their kids, or I get to see maybe something in the background that tells me something about them that I never knew before. I had a colleague where I was able to pick up a baseball team that the person liked and connect with them at a different level. And when you look at why people engage with work and why they engage and are passionate about the companies they work with, it's because people make a connection and they, the leaders of those organizations understand that there's relationships and results. But so much, so much of the time, people focus on the results and not the relationships. And this is something Dr. Henry Cloud has done a ton of research on and Connection on, but it's one of those things that during COVID, in my personal opinion, this presents a unique opportunity for business leaders to develop that relationship at maybe a deeper level than they have. And what you'll see is you'll see people move uh, across that spectrum Um, when you're engaging them more, you're asking about their kids, um, and you're really connecting with them at a deeper level. Maybe they're taking care of an alien parent, maybe they have their own health challenges, maybe there's concerns or fears that um, they may be willing to share more than they ever have before. But that comes down to the company. Do you have have trust? Do you have authenticity at at the core of the business? So those are my thoughts um, as we go into this, continuing this new world. I do see digital transformation, digital tools as a strategic priority that may have been lower on the list for leaders six months ago or a year ago are now accelerating and saying, hey, how do we transform digitally? How do we Take our, you know, our documents and digitize them. How do we take our 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 processes and create some digital connection to those? Um, and then truly transformation is how are we creating that new business models around digital? So we're actually seeing quite a few of our customers and and clients taking this opportunity to accelerate things that may have been backburnered a while, uh, you know, a year ago or six months ago.
2: John, one thing I wanted to ask you about is customer satisfaction, and and one thing that you've called the lagging indicator. I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely, so when you think about customer satisfaction,
1: that's downstream of when they've been served by an employee or they've ordered your product. So intuitively, if you think about the customer journey, they're at the tail end of being um, served by your ecosystem and your ecosystem could include your digital footprint, your physical interaction, Maybe you have a vendor that helps you deliver your product that last mile to your customer. So you traditionally send send those customer satisfaction surveys after they've received your product or service. So if you think about it, how you're engaging with your employees and how they're onboarded and how they're being poured into consistently. If you're doing a net promoter score, maybe an employee net promoter score, we do that a lot with our clients. We survey quarterly to see how the, the departments are doing, how the employees are feeling about the organization, you can then see the correlations between the, the the leading indicator of employee satisfaction downstream to the lagging indicator of customer satisfaction. So it's a unique spin on a question that people ask, especially when you look at that statistic in a vacuum. We encourage people to take a holistic view of that statistic and their entire service model. So that, that That's a little bit more about that concept. I'd love to hear your thoughts on
2: that. Oh, I love it. Um, and the, the experiences I've had, um, both working uh, in a marketing environment and at a a product management level, uh, customer satisfaction and net promoter score, always things were very top of mind and, and pushing ourselves to improve. And on that topic, I'm, I'm curious when you're, when you're doing consulting work or you're talking with both large and small companies, what are some strategies or tactics that often come to the surface when it comes to improving customer satisfaction and net promoter score?
1: So I'm going to continue to push the paradigm of the connection between the employee experience and customer experience. A statistic by Price Waterhouse showed that the customer experience leads to about a $75 billion issue when you look at it on the aggregate at the U.S. economy. So 75 billion dollars is basically lost due to a bad customer experience but the that same study showed that 88 is driven by the customer the employee experience so your customer experience is driven by your employee experience so if you think of it in an engineering sense your root cause is your employee experience so when you think about that taylor it's hey how are we engaging with our employees do they understand our vision do they understand our culture Do we have a high degree of authenticity and trust in our organization? Those are some of the things that we help roll up our sleeves with our clients and say, hey, do you have silos in your organization? Does marketing and delivery talk? Does operations and sales talk to one another? And not in the congenial way, but with healthy conflicts and hey, how are we improving the organization? So those are ways that we're helping drive the customer satisfaction scores. It's through holistically helping organizations think about how they engage with their customers.
0: John, it's interesting you you mentioned the onboarding of new employees as part of the employee experience. And that's an area I find particularly small businesses struggle with because they they don't have procedures in place, checklists, whatever, you know, to to manage that onboarding, that critical onboarding experience. And uh, about a year ago, I wrote an article for the Small Business Matters newsletter, and the, the article was entitled, Are You Onboarding or Waterboarding Your New Employees? And because I, I find for many it's it's the latter. They're they're being tortured. These new employees are coming in and being tortured when they when they come in for their first day. So you're you're really right on target with that. But I wanna move on because there's something else that I've heard that you talk about and it's it's an age-old question, you know, that comes up in, with small businesses and it's you know, who's who's right? You know, sometimes. Is it the customer is right, the employee is right and and who should we stand behind? Who should we support? And, and you suggest that maybe we're asking the wrong question. W- would you elaborate on that, please? This has been an interesting
1: piece that we've created at, at Arch and Tower because we've had that question come to us. And it's, it's unique. When you think about that question, it puts people in a binary of right, wrong, versus what if we change the narrative and it becomes, how can I serve you? And the way we see that out is if you're an executive and you go to your 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 corporate manager and you say, how can I serve you? And that corporate manager then goes to the uh, division leader and says, how can I serve you? And the division leader then goes down to the um, line employee and says, how can I serve you? And then the line employee goes to the client and says, how can I serve you? What we've created is a different paradigm. We call it the customer-focused organization. Um, it's basically fl- flipping the work chart upside down, where if we're serving one another, and I have, I have the authority to remove a hurdle from my person that may report to me, if that is in line with what the client's desiring, if I'm helping my employees serve the client better, if we're listening to our clients, we're doing surveys to understand how we can improve our, our service design. Um, the way that we onboard people, even into our organization, maybe even or- onboard your clients and orient them to how they're going to be served. Um, what you see is is this question of who's right or wrong becomes how can we serve, and that question is what ends up being how you create unique wins inside of you know your client relationships, your customer relationships, um, and it creates a different paradigm and mindset for the organization.
0: And John, I love that that concept of, of flipping the org chart and creating a kind of a servant uh, mentality within the organization. And it sounds, sounds simple, sounds easy. And yet so many companies are unable, small businesses particularly, unable to implement that. What what do you think gets in the way? What prevents companies, again, particularly small companies, from achieving, you know, that, that transition?
1: This one's real in its time. And what I mean by that is, the the real factor is we only have so many hours in a day and we have to force prioritization. And when you set out to start your company, you may have had these grand visions and then you get in the day in and day out and there's so many things being thrown at you and things that are maybe out of your control take up more time than you ever think. And we've got a concept that is posted on our website at archandtower.com. You can go to the resource button and get more reading, but it's Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And we put it in the business setting, and when you do that, very few folks. And if you're not familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's basically a progression from the bottom of a pyramid to the top. And the bottom is survival, and the top is thriving. And there's continued research that the, the top layer, after Maslow was done with his research, was giving back. And we all want to get to that top layer of giving back, but most folks don't get off the survival and security stages during the in the in regards to business. So. There's always the tyranny of the urgent. And how do we move to that important time? I was speaking with a business professional this morning and she's got a lot of different things being thrown at her. and it's, how do you take time away to synthesize what are the 200 things I, I have on my plate, prioritize them and say, hey, we're going to park a parking lot a few of these items in big buckets and focus on two or three things over the next quarter. And being mindful about that and going through the planning process and being strategic in your meeting times of the way you structure your meetings. Um, and ideally, you begin to create lift and leverage where you can have your trusted team members that you can hand off work to. You can look for repeatable processes. You can look for efficiencies. But it definitely takes a concerted effort to, uh, to think through those things. And for the business leaders that may feel like they're drowning out there, there's help out there, especially in today's world, I encourage people to take time to spend time on themselves. Uh, the mental health aspect today is, is such a huge thing. I don't want people to continue to grind and not take care of themselves because we're we're in a unique time and you're not alone.
2: So John, I wanna talk about something we all, we all love to discuss here and that's mistakes. And uh, you said earlier in the podcast that we try to make new mistakes, which I think is a, a great point. But I'm curious, what are some mistakes that you would call uh, perhaps the best mistakes you've made, or mistakes that you you look back on and say uh, that was really valuable at the time.
1: Taylor, I, I love this question because hopefully it gives people the opportunity to forgive themselves for things that they may have take, taken and and done the wrong way, or had a bad client interaction. Um, mine goes back to my first my first professional position I was in the healthcare space and we were working at a hospital that was a multiple hundred bed facility and we were taking a process and improving it from a paper based process to at the time the pagers were a really big technology innovation and we were putting those on the floors of this this hospital I'll save the story but this the, the 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 nuance of the story but the the takeaway was as the pagers were going off, it was an alert for someone to go and clean the rooms at this hospital. And we were testing the, the system. And I left a pager on overnight and went home for the weekend and came back to the client site. And about 30 days later, there's an invoice for $10,000. And I was a new associate at this firm and a love the firm. And I literally thought when I saw that, I was going to be packing my bags and, and looking for a new job. And my manager pulled me aside and said, hey, let's be wise. Let's be thoughtful about the things that we do. But what this does do is it quantifies the issue that the hospital is facing. So my manager took this error that I had and actually turned it into a win for a client and was able to say, hey, your issue is actually now quantifiable. So the lessons I took from that is as a manager, be careful in the way you handle mistakes because you don't know the impact that's going to have on your your, your new employee. And secondly, look for opportunities to take that mistake and maybe monetize it. And say, wow, this cost us X, Y, or Z. And if it's an internal cost, you just are aware of it. Um, put your process and procedure in. And if you are serving a client and you find mistakes inside their system, be mindful of, of how you handle those situations. And you can help them think about what is the bottom line impact here? And what that does is it takes an issue and points to something that's systemic versus maybe something that just happened because of lack of judgment or whatever it may be. So anyway, that's a mistake that I made. Um, I, I thought I was going to pack my bags that night, but uh, it actually has been something that I, uh, a lesson I've hung on to my entire career.
0: That's a great story, John. Thank you for sharing that. And it reminds me, it seems like there's a trend, I know, just in the last year, a number of big companies, Coca-Cola, one of them come out have come out publicly and encourage their employees to make more mistakes and you know mm. it, it's it's kind of a counterintuitive like why would you want to encourage your employees to make mistakes but there's you know so much to be gained you know from an organizational point of view and if, if employees have that that kind of laboratory mindset that you know it's okay to make mistakes you don't want to repeat the mistakes but you know mistakes aren't always such a such a bad thing so thank you thank you for sharing that with us so, uh, John, you work, I know, with uh, a lot of different business owners and operators, but as, as we zero in on the small business owner, in particularly in today's world, in this COVID environment, what are maybe one, two, three pieces of advice that you would give to a small business owner today? Number one is taking care of yourself. And for me, that means taking care
1: of my family and spending time with my family. I, I can be tethered to my chair in my office working ridiculous hours and be careful of that. I would encourage people that serve those around you first and remember why life's important to you. Secondly, um, is the flip side of that coin. You've worked so hard to build your business. Um, utilize this time to maybe think differently about your business. If you're, if you're growing and you've got clients coming and, and your business is skyrocketing, awesome. If you're looking for, hey, what do I do now? now's the time to maybe push the boundaries that you never thought you would do before. And I'd encourage that. And going back to your last point about mistakes, like this is the time to innovate. And I, I applaud Coke and others for celebrating mistakes because that breeds innovation. Um, and the last point is something I took away from some continuing education I did last year. And the content was focused around entrepreneurship essentials. And it focused on deal structure And it gave me a different paradigm to look at the journey I'm I'm on as an entrepreneur. And basically, the person I was listening to talked about entrepreneurship is a science experiment in the world of business. And what that did for me, I realized I'm a scientist. And what that means is I'm trying to find what's going to fit in the market that I'm serving right now. And what that allowed me to do was decouple sometimes the identity that can be rolled up in being an entrepreneur versus an experimenter. And for me, that helped me for some reason, maybe shift my thinking where my identity is not tied up in being an entrepreneur, but I'm just trying different things to see what product market fit there is. And for me, there's some comfort in that, Tim. There's some comfort in that, Taylor, that just gave me a different lens to look at life and to look what I'm called to right now. And that's, you know, building a a unique business inside of a you know, larger business and what happened with Frazier and Dieter. So hmm. that's been helpful for me. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Push the narrative. Push the things that you're doing to improve your business. And maybe take a different view of your identity and who you are as a small business owner or entrepreneur, et cetera.
0: Taylor, those are three great pieces of advice for our listeners. And I, I really like that idea that entrepreneurship is a, is a science experiment and it's it's kind of scary for me because I, I nearly failed chemistry in in high school, and to think that entrepreneur is is, is a is entrepreneurship is like a, a science experiment, it just means it's it's even tougher than than I think most of us can imagine. Listeners, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest today is John Hightower. John is the founder, the president of Arch and Tower, and he's given us some great insights in the relationship between customers and, and employees. John, we've gotten to the my favorite part of the podcast, and that's the rapid fire questions. And Taylor is armed and dangerous. And if you're ready, we're going to go right into it. Let's do it. I'm excited. Excellent.
2: Well, we'll start with an easy one, John. Uh, what are you reading right now?
1: Excellent question. The book that I have in front of me is Death by Medium, Death by Medium by Patrick Funcioni. It's an amazing read on how to create structure and systems so you can be more effective in your decision-making. Great book. Highly recommend
2: it. See, I already have to navigate away from rapid fire because I'm curious what, what the book and what insights might have into a COVID-related environment where so many of us are working home. How do you avoid death by meeting when seemingly every other hour is a meeting or a WebEx or something of the like?
1: One of the things that we've done at Arch and Towers, we've created some governance around how we communicate with one another. What do I mean by that? Um, I don't know about you, but your email inbox may just get overloaded with Mm -hmm. communication. What do I respond to? Those types of things. Well, then your phone blows up and you got all these text messages and what do I need to respond to? And then you may have some other things that are coming at you. It could be LinkedIn messages, whatever it may be. Well, the thing that Arch and Tower has control over is our internal communications. So in side of our employee experience, we think about what does technology mean to the employee experience? So we leverage something called Slack. And what that is, is a messaging tool that we can use and we can communicate hot topics around clients and internal projects that we have. And we actually also have a water cooler where we have some fun. I mean, you get your cat memes, you got some college football going <laughs> on in there, you get some things going, and it creates some lighthearted pieces. But the way that we create the governance is the Slack piece is for um, informal communication, internal conversations that we remove from emails and that, that declogs our inbox from the internal emails. If it's client-facing and it's important, it goes to email. And then for us, text messages only utilize after hours or emergencies. And then if I know I'm gonna have a day where I've, I am full of meetings, I tell my team, hey, if you need me, go to text message. Today's a text message day because I'm overloaded. And what that creates is clarity on what's important as well as communication and protocol. So, you know, for us, that's a tactic. I don't know if that's helpful for your listeners out there, but it creates a governance model and people know where to funnel certain communications when. And most importantly, it sets up the expectations of when you can expect a message back. People know I'm going to batch emails at night because that's currently when a high availability. So hopefully that's a helpful tip there, Taylor, around some of the things that we're learning and, and implementing in our organization.
2: Absolutely. I think it was well worth tanking my rapid fire questions <laughs> because it is, you know, suddenly you're thrown into a remote working environment and there's a dozen different communication channels at your disposal and it's it's very easy to get into the the wild west of emails and text messages and Slack messages, and if there's not some structure, then it, it can be uh, very frustrating for, for everybody involved. One, one other kind of rapid fire question I want to go back to, we talked a lot about leadership and, and great leaders, and I'm curious to know uh, what are one or two leaders that, that you would consider your, your favorite or that you aspire to?
1: There's so many people that I could talk about. I think what you want to know is, hey, who can I go follow on LinkedIn or who I can go follow on Absolutely. Twitter? And those would fall lower on my list. I think people that have poured into my life are people that have journeyed with me through challenges. And those are the leaders that I look to emulate and say, man, how did my best friend call me during this time and help me through a season? Um, You know, if you're looking for content providers that are amazing, um, I highly encourage Patrick Lencioni's one. Andy Stanley's been instrumental in, in some of the leadership principles that he's communicated I do recommend the book Excellence Wins by Horst Schultze. It is his playbook on how he created principles that scaled at the Ritz-Carlton. Um, it was released last year. Strongly recommend that book. And those are just uh, two or three of maybe the question behind the question is who, who should I be following out there? But um, there's been so many people that, that have been a part of my journey that I look to how they helped me in times of need. And I want to emulate those leadership principles.
2: Excellent. Thank you for sharing. You've mentioned a couple of times, you know, taking time for yourself and being mindful. And I'm curious to know what, what tactics you employ on a, on a regular basis to do just that.
1: So I have to credit my my wife. She's done an amazing job of helping me understand that that's an area I have to create boundaries around. And for the entrepreneurs out there, I would hug your spouse and just share with them the appreciation that you have for them. Is so many times in this journey, we don't pause and celebrate our spouses for supporting them. And my wife's done an amazing job. Um, I work to take a few moments before the day starts to reflect on my bigger purpose, my bigger why, spend some time uh, with different pieces. For me, that means getting into the scriptures and reading um, the Bible in the morning. And then I'm working to do that more diligently than I have. But then the other thing we do is we take our weekends and we spend time, uh, recently, we've gotten into pontooning. And out on lakes, just spending time in nature, because especially now during COVID, we haven't had a time to just get out and experience uh, fresh air. And that's been something that's been really good for me to do. I put a little hammock in on my uh, in my backyard, and I'll do some emails and do some reading out there, um, even if it's just for a few moments to kind of reset my mind. But that's the personal side that um, has been extremely helpful, and I, I give quite a bit of credit to my wife of helping me think through some ways that I, I can. Um, Put some boundaries around that, uh,
2: and then we'll get at it. We'll get you out of here on this, John. Uh, knowing that you're a, a Georgia Tech and, and Auburn alum, I'm curious from from either school what your your favorite tradition there is. Oh wow!
1: I'm gonna instead of picking a side, I'm gonna celebrate the fact that both organizations have an amazing amazing alumni base, and for each unique reason, the the Tech alumni base has just an incredibly rabid sense of um, where they wanna go, things that we wanna achieve. Auburn has an amazing passion and almost a cultural perspective of family. And I appreciate both aspects as, as the alumni almost have their own brand associated with it. and. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that I appreciate. Um, I appreciate the urban aspect of going to Georgia Tech and enjoying a football game, but there's there's also a, a unique opportunity to go out to Auburn and enjoy a, a game on the plains. So, big fan of both schools and very thankful for the opportunity to a- attend both both university and the institutes for sure.
0: Well, John, I can't believe how fast our time has gone this afternoon. Taylor, I've got notes all over my page here everything from the importance of, of leaders in today's environment to be able to demonstrate empathy with their employees, the relationship, the important relationship between employee relationships and results, the idea that it's the employee experience that drives customer experience. Really like uh, what John talked about in terms of flipping the organizational chart for companies and leading in a, in a, with a servant mentality. And again the idea that the entrepreneurship is is like a science experiment and that we've got to be testing things all the time. All great takeaways. John, I'm I'm confident that uh, a number of our listeners may want to follow up with you. What's what's the best way for them to reach you or contact you?
1: So there's a couple of ways. One there's free we've got some great resources. We have a 14-point checklist that helps organizations um, build excellence into their environments. And you can find that at archandtower.com. You'll click on the resource button in the upper right-hand corner, and then you'll have multiple uh, downloadables that you can do there. Look for the 14-point checklist. The best ways to contact me, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just search John Hightower. Uh, and if you need a, a qualifier, put Arch and Tower in there as well, and that should drive you directly to my LinkedIn profile. And then if, if you would like to connect with me, on a one-on-one level, please feel free to email me at john, J-O-H-N, at archandtower.com. And I would love to, to create a conversation and see how we can help help you and serve you as we are all in this small business journey together. And it's been an incredible honor and pleasure and great questions, gentlemen. I love this conversation and I hope it provides value to you and your listeners.
0: Wow, thank you so much, John, and appreciate you being on the show with us. Taylor, we got a lot of things going on in Small Business Matters these days. we got a newsletter coming out soon, our monthly newsletter. Uh, As you know, I'm working on a new book, and I'm I'm looking forward to to sharing that before the end of the year. We just wrapped up a Small Business Matters boot camp. We had uh, nine graduates from the program just last week. We have our Small Business Matters lunch coming up next week, and excited about that. And I am uh, preparing to launch the second Small Business Matters Mastermind Group. First group is full. We're now launching the second group and expect that group to launch in, in September. So a lot of, a lot of good activity uh, in the world of Small Business Matters. So with that in mind, I, I want to thank our listeners for being uh, with us today. I encourage you to, to rate, review, and, and subscribe to the Small Business Matters podcast. I want to thank John Hightower for being our guest today. And listeners, again, thank you for listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters.